Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this episode of FinTV. Uh, we are here today with Sophia Agnes Nagy, who is uh, a very important guest and can talk to us about supply chain and operations. Uh, Sophia is uh, a supply chain, uh, supply chain project director for international operations at Novo Nordisk. Sophia, welcome to FinTV. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your uh, journey so far? Good morning, Maria. Good morning, everyone. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the invite and, and being here and to be able to talk about many of these topics that, uh, that we all enjoy and we love very much as, as being a supply chain professional. In terms of how I got here, how, how we are talking at the moment, uh, I think it's really just uh, a matter of, um, of me being in a really good position at the moment as a supply chain project director where I can really utilize uh, my background and experience uh, that I've been both sides of the, the equation or the business, let's say that. Uh, so I have both industry related background as well as consulting related background. And, um, and in terms of, you know, rounding off the experience, I really did go from from the trenches of supply chain, from the operational side up to the level of uh, strategic uh, management and uh, decision making. So, so I think I really covered uh, quite the end to end as we always speak in supply chain. So I hope I can give uh, you know some insight into to what I think and, and how, how we can manage uh, in a good way within our own little functional area within any of the businesses and, and hope you enjoy this discussion with Maria and me. Well, I think uh, you and I were talking about this before we started to record that we could probably speak about supply chain for hours, you and I, yes. uh, because there's so much to talk about. Now, it, it, for anyone watching this episode, no doubt we are in the middle of uh, a, a worldwide crisis at the moment with COVID-19. And I think this is a topic of conversation that we will probably be discussing for many years to come uh, in terms of uh, what went wrong, what went right, uh, what to do, what not to do. Uh, and I don't want to make this this uh, podcast all about COVID-19, but I do think that we need to touch upon it. Uh, let me ask you, I mean, do you think that this level of crisis that is hitting the world uh, has exposed weaknesses or cracks within certain, not all, supply chain processes uh, around uh, many companies? I definitely think so. I can only agree with you, Maria. I think it's really a proper wake-up call for many of the supply chains. And, and I think uh, that's what we, we mentioned briefly as well uh, during many of our discussions is that this is a good time to rethink really how we approach and how we treat supply chain within the organization. It's, it's you know, place at the table. I think it's really important that I can see those companies really thriving well within you know, a situation like this, like COVID-19 where they really have a proper business partnering set up or, or supply chain has a proper seat at the table in the executive ownership, right? In how they manage the business. But all of those where it was pretty much treated as a cost center or, or down prioritized, well, I wouldn't even call it down prioritizing, that's a bit harsh, but 
where it was just, you know, one of those departments where we need to pay for what we need to do, right? Then, then I can see that those uh, elements are really starting to show and everybody needs to really realize that, that we really need redundancies, we really need the strategy in place, right? And, and to ensure that we are treating not just our company, but the relation to other companies also in the forefront and, and we really manage these instead of just uh, you know trying to um, press more cost out of that transaction right as we we sometimes do i think every single organization has the opportunity to reflect even if we think we are doing things really well right in certain areas i do believe for for our company for instance for novo nordisk we didn't really have uh, major disruptions because of how we are set up but but that's also partially luck so i really do believe every single organization can take a lesson here and learn you know um and take a look at their risk management processes their supplier uh, engagement and and how they are managing their own suppliers and customers as well right how that that external engagement is going and and what what is the level of um preparedness you know yeah, preparedness or just just engagement right I, I i call it engagement all the time because that's probably the best word to use here because it's not just a transactional relationship right that's what what probably we need to realize that really in a, in a case like this everything really comes to to the fact that we are all interconnected as supply chains should be especially on a global scale so so now it's really time to to get those redundancies and those risk management processes and external relationship management processes properly up and running. Well, you know, it, it, you and I have spoken and, and several of our podcasts have revolved around the topic of digital transformation, right? Yes. Uh, we have been, as an industry, uh, as a function, very busy with modernization, innovation, uh, you know, robotics, machine learning, AI, really exciting times, which is, which yeah, is yeah. but here's a controversial question. Do you think that in the uh, pursuit of mm -hmm. this kind of modernization, we have failed to secure good business processes that could potentially expose businesses to a crisis? Yes, I only can say yes to this question, whether we like it or not, because we did, right? And, um, and we just need to be honest with ourselves also as supply chain professionals. I do believe we also got a bit, little bit snow blinded or blindsided by, you know, getting things even cheaper and faster and, and try to, you know, service this mindset globally. Yeah. Yeah. And that is not always the answer to customer needs, right? So we also need to be mindful as a business organization in terms of what we are feeding with our customers as as a feeling or as a, as, a, as a knowledge about our company, right? So sometimes the best solution is not, you know, speed and, and, and cost, but really more about the service that, that we provide to the customers and, and the patients or any other industries, you know, in terms of uh, consumers. But, but in reality, I do believe we, we need to do a better job and, and rethink about how we, how we manage our basics. And, and really, I think about supply chain basics, because if you really think about digitalization yet again, right, you can only put a good digital solution on a good backbone. If it's not there, if it's cracking here and there because of either not employing the right people because we thought we can get it cheaper or not um, supervising or controlling or even auditing our processes and our process compliance on a regular basis. 
then we end up with a cracked digital process as well, then it will fail as well, right? So, so I urge everyone, even in our organization, to ensure that these basics are in place and they are in the right place. And we have the corrective, you know, and the preventive mechanisms in place as well. I know it's tedious, that's not the most beautiful part of supply chain, but as leaders, we, need, we really need to be on top of this. It's not an optional thing. That's part of supply chain operations, right? Well, I think that, that goes back to, to answering the question, which is, you know, we've been sort of sidetracked with following the shiny, uh, <laughs> you know, following the shiny modernization, yes, yes. Whatever, you know, insert here, you know, cheaper, yeah. codes, uh, faster, cheaper, uh, and uh, more modern. And perhaps we failed to look at the basics, basic principles. And again, and this was, again, before COVID-19, this was a big issue that was affecting digital transformation. I mean, it, it, even before this, this illness, 70 odd percent of the uh, digital transformation projects were failing. Why yes. failing? Because there was a failure to, number one, uh, have the right processes in place. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, leadership failures. So cultural failures, yeah. cultural yeah. Uh, and all of those things made for digital projects failing. So now with this, I think I think it's exposed a lot more those failures. Would you agree? I agree, and I think probably we need to be thankful, regardless of all the you know uh, the negative aspects of having a viral um, uh, pandemic situation like this. But uh, but we need to be thankful because. Um, that, as I said, it's a wake-up call. I really treat it as a wake-up call for everybody to, to ensure that they really go back to basics. I, I know it's hard, but um, I can just give you a good example again. I'm a strategic project director as such, but I do get my hands dirty and I do make time for really looking through if we are in compliance related to our contracts, how we are you know, engaging our external parties, the internal processes that, that related to my area, I do take a look every year. And also in terms of how we are managing our uh, you know, FTEs and, and talents, it's, it's very important. It's, again, it's, it's really hard work as well, but I, I think uh, leaders need to pay more attention and, and they need to spare the time and uh, it's, it pays off. It pays off. Pay, exactly. As you say, it will pay off completely. And and I can say even for us uh, to have the diligent strategic office that we have, it did pay off for us as well. It, of course, we cannot say, you know, if, you know, as you said, if, uh, if the situation escalates uh, to a degree that, uh, that nobody was prepared for, then of course it's a difference for everybody. But the basics, uh, we manage quite all right because of um, that hindsight that we have in our organization. And we can do better even, even ourselves. I mean, by, by all means, I don't mean to imply that we don't need to. We, we also have a lot of things we, we have to rethink and we came to a conclusion that, well, certain things were not working as we thought they were right so do you think that this this virus is helping uh, supply chain professionals and manufacturing professionals take stock of their business processes the failures the basics as it were yeah yeah absolutely i hope so at least well, that's my yeah. hope and that's my message to everybody to, to please do take the time. This is really a good opportunity. Partially, uh, if I take a look at, you know, the implications of a situation like this, we all slow down a little bit, right? Whether we like it or not, compared to our normal daily processes, we, we need to take a look at, you know, okay, now it's, you know, a change process because 
we can't just do what we usually do. We need to take certain steps into consideration, wash our hands or not allow people to come in or just segregate certain areas. So those you know, uh, measures, first of all, put the stress on the organization. So I think that also helps in, a, in certain ways to expose these you know, cracks, as you mentioned as well. So, so that actually helps helps uh, every single supply chain professional. And, and if, we, if we take the time now, then next time we will be much better prepared, no matter what. It doesn't matter what kind of you know, disruption will come. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, the uh, uh, disruption is going to come, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic, uh, a more severe pandemic, or who knows right now, yes. we're living in, we are at the moment in uncharted territory. Uh, and I think that is what supply chain directors and manufacturing directors need to prepare for is the best thing they can do following your advice right now is to at the very least go back to basics. At the very least, go back to basics and go through perhaps the not so shiny and exciting bits of supply chain uh, and ensure that their processes are robust and can withstand uh, problems. Fully agreed, Maria, fully agreed. Again, I know it takes, you know, a bit of time and, uh, and it's, it's probably not what uh, people like to do, but it's the time to do it, really. Fully agreed. Let's go back to something you said earlier uh, at the beginning of the conversation, which is the perception of supply chain. For too long, supply chain has been seen exclusively as a cost center. Yeah. For Pre-COVID-19 even, with, the, you know, with how things have changed with consumer demand and uh, e-commerce, et cetera, you know, do you think that that perception has changed, number one? And number two, do you think it's changed enough? Oh, tricky question. I think fundamentally, unfortunately, didn't change. Because it takes, you know, a change in the mindset. Of course, uh, you know, a crisis situation like this can shed light on the fact that this is a much more important area than people think it is. But I do believe we still have that mindset of, okay, now we have this extraordinary situation. Now we pay attention to supply chain. And then when it's over, then it's done, right? Over and out, almost like this, like in the film or movie making. And, and I think we still have a, a, a lot of work to do there to ensure that this does not get this type of attention, but we really start saying, okay, supply chain is really now part of our business management. They have equal say and, and the place at the table, and it doesn't really matter if it's, a, you know, it's not even women or men, it's just supply chain having a place at the table. And, and I mean, in a way that we really do need the mandate to make decisions. And it's not, you know, finance or legal who's driving those decisions because we do have, uh, you know, the right argumentation points or the arguments to, to ensure that we make the right decision. So, for instance, I can give you a good example. When, when we need to, again, hire talents for certain positions, right? And in a crisis situation like this, having a set of very well qualified demand planners and supply planners can make the whole difference for a company in terms of how they are managing, especially in pharma where we have you know, the obligation to supply patients no matter what, right? Yeah. 
and we have even more disruptions because we have extra um, stock requirements from certain countries or on the other hand extra barriers to enter the country because of the added legislative requirements right uh, so how do you manage that right and and it's not just the planners but i would say end to end if you have the right team you can manage if you basically said second hand is good enough then maybe you won't be better off right so that's just one aspect or or the other aspect is um is really what i witnessed with certain companies that uh, a singular point of sourcing was good enough, right? Because that was the cheapest. And we were hammering on that cheapest element so much and for so long. And of course, it was driven also by financial decisions of the companies, right? Or the perception that redundancy is not important, right? Mm -hmm. Therefore, uh, we completely forgot about, again, going back to the basics, that even basic supply chain expertise prescribes that you need to have a portfolio of suppliers which you can activate in a case of risk or issue or disruption, right? And here we are again, saying exactly the same thing all over for decades, right? And we still haven't learned that lesson. So I really believe this is high time. And, um, and of course, um, as, as I think we discussed so many times, it's, it's again, uh, changing the perception within the companies as well in terms of what is really supply chain and how much they can contribute to the overall business success, not just the business management business success. Well, it, it, you know, if, if I remember back 20 years ago, supply chain was a function within an organization, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a function, it was just another function. Right now, supply chains make or break a business. Let's be realistic. Uh, correct, yes. If yeah. you don't get your goods to market, if you don't get your goods to the consumer, if you don't get your goods fast enough to your factories, you will not survive in this kind of environment that we live in right now where the consumer has such, and, and not just the consumer in a B2C environment, we as businesses also have expectations Ooh, yes. set by uh, the likes of Amazon changing the game, you know? so. Yes. So I think now the role of a supply chain director in a business is, has got to be someone that sits at the big table, uh, at the executive level table, and help to guide the decisions of a business. What, what do you think of that? Absolutely agree. And, and we are lacking so much in this space still. Um, even if we are heard as a, as a business partner within the company, sometimes decisions get skewed or even altered for the sake of, you know, cost or the sake of, you know, perceived legal safety or the other way around, right? The perceived risk or even just the commercial decision. So, um, yeah, it's really time to, to educate, I would say, our business counterparts, not, not, not even within supply chain, but really supply chain leaders really need to spend time on educating their counterparts within the business and, and really speak up and say, hey, you really need to learn this and, and, and learn why your way of working or, or your argument is just not valid in this situation because we need you know, the solution that supply chain has defined for, for certain processes or certain scenarios. And that might be higher cost or a different solution that they perceive, but they really need to start learning how to how to work in supply chain and of course in return we need to learn the lingo or the language to speak to the others 
to ensure that we can really share that information because they just don't know. They well, just don't speak our language. Do you think that supply chain directors have an opportunity here to collaborate with their peers uh, within a business to express how much they contribute, how much of the supply chain contributes to a company's top line and bottom line? Absolutely. First of all, as I said, we need to learn the language to sell what we are doing. And mm -hmm. second, we, we, we need to really establish that continued dialogue, right? So that dialogue cannot be just, you know, on the spot or sporadic or temporary or any other solution. It's not working, period. We need to stop this, you know, we, we need to stop fooling ourselves that sometimes reaching out to the other parts of the organization will increase our visibility and the effectiveness and the value that we are delivering. We really need to put our feet down and say, hey, this is what supply chain is doing for the organization. And of course, this is how much more value inside and outside of the organization we can deliver by collaborating together. Um, I know collaboration uh, has become also one of the buzzwords next to digitalization in, in recent times. But I do believe we really need to get there. We just we are just not doing well enough. I see it within our organization and, and within other organizations as well during my consulting career. Collaboration or lack of it was the biggest massive contributor or barrier to, to reaching success. One of the biggest ones really, apart from you know having all of the others that you mentioned already, you know, lack of understanding or lack of uh, really getting the basics right but lack of collaboration was one of one of those that i, I witnessed so many times that it's mind-boggling still do you mean do you mean lack of collaboration internally as well as externally both actually it's um it's quite a diverse um topic <laughs> let me put it this way and it's not always visible you know even in in cases where, where people perceive that they have good collaboration processes set up I can see still, you know, sometimes they just um, speak next to each other, but they don't really understand each other. And sometimes there is no time or, or they just perceive there is no time to, to really understand each other and what needs to be done. And then of course, that results in issues or process issues or anything else that, that we can imagine. But, but I think, um, from a from a personal perspective probably as a supply chain professional we, we also need to reflect on how we work right and and not just expect everybody to understand what we are blabbing every day right and, and I, I use the the word blabbing because that's how it is perceived from the other side or from from other sides sometimes but i think we, we've done a good job uh and and we are progressing but we are not there yet it's just still very visible for, for me every day, even, even in the projects that we are running, right? So sometimes it's so hard to get certain stakeholders at the same table agreeing on one single thing that seems to be simple. So yeah, it's, uh, it's still a, um, a hot topic or a, a vast area that we can, you know, explore. Do you think that this crisis that we're going through at the moment is perhaps going to offer us the opportunity for peer-to-peer -peer collaboration uh, that could perhaps give us the answers to some of the questions you know what that we need what's the point of working on your own to solve a crisis when you know you might get better results working with other people I hope so and I do believe uh, that's uh, one of the, the positive outcomes of having this crisis right now so 
um, I, I see also increased collaboration, increased talk between our own management, right? So, so I know it's um, almost crikey to say so, but I have never seen this level of interaction, collaboration, and communication between all of our leadership teams that I see right now. Well, well, you know, sometimes crisis, they say, can either make or break, you know, exactly. uh, people or businesses or situations. Um, so we're, we're talking about the people element at the moment. Yeah. And that is, that's an important thing to discuss, because until until the robot overlords come in and take over <laughs> everything, uh, we are still in charge of supply chains and still in charge of processes. Right. So um, the people element of things. Yeah. You've been in the supply chain industry for a long time. I've been in this, in this space in the industry for a long time as well. I can recall 20 years ago supply chain events that had maybe one or two women in it. Oh, yes. uh, or if, if that at all. Sometimes I'd be at an event and I was the only woman. Um, do you feel that we're making good steps towards not just gender diversity, but diversity in general of the types of people that can bring different different things to to the industry do you think that we were doing well how do you think we're doing what's your experience on this what's your view on this well it's also a broad topic uh, to, to answer your question uh, in the first place i think uh, given the amount of time that we both had uh, to to observe these you know movements and and um, changing of the situation or how we how we employ or treat each other uh, as such as as diverse uh, uh, human beings I think it was a really slow process during the last 20 years and lately during the last one or two years, I would say it has started accelerating. We, we start hearing more voices, you know, the, the effort that we are making is not so siloed anymore. We, we do join effort and I see multiple platforms popping up day by day where we can really start seeing people joining, you know, certain movements mm -hmm. and there and I wouldn't call it a movement any longer. It's more like leadership in, in any company at the moment. I think they need to realize, and they started realizing that that uh, the gender diversity or even diversity as such is not, again, it's not optional any longer because they are just losing out, right? Yeah. So I think the penny finally started dropping that this is really not about, you know, certain people trying to raise their voice or, or get their own agenda in, in the forefront, but it's really about making the most of, of a diverse um, contribution, right? So, so I think that kind of um, either, we can call it reverse, psychology or, or just the penny dropped but but I can see more and more people really seeing the real uh, benefit of, of employing uh, a diverse uh, team or a diverse cultural background uh, in, in different offices or different industries uh, but we are not there yet of course so we still have a lot to do I could just, you know, name the, the usual things but but even for myself I need to remind myself every day that look it's not a chore to take a look at LinkedIn or different groups who are doing good things for, you know, diversity in general, but I really need to contribute. And yeah. it's on top of everybody's activities. I, I do understand that, but we really need to make sure that we are not dropping the ball on our court, right? Because then it, it's just dropped. Then it will never move ahead. I think, I, think, I think the industry has evolved quite a lot in this space. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right that the penny has dropped, that this is no longer just about ticking a box. Okay, I've, I, 
X number of women in my space, or, you know, in my industry, or X number of people, women in my, you know, uh, under me and my function. Yes. It's, it's really about understanding that diverse opinions can be advantageous. I think that Penny has dropped that people are starting to realize getting a different opinion, perhaps from someone from a different background, can contribute significantly to, uh, to the business and the business succe succeeding. The question is whether or not there's enough action being taken to drive diversity uh, beyond the press releasey sort of, you know, beyond this, the, you know, the mouthpiece bit. Do you yeah. think enough leaders are taking actual action to make this happen? Well, on the surface, I believe they started taking certain actions. I see, you know, change in terms of um, the, the mix of, you know, um, um, the board of directors or in the leadership, uh, the C-level leadership team, or even one level below, uh, they really started um, thinking about having either a, um, a competent woman or, or just a different background in the team. But uh, even in our company and in other companies, I still believe that we could do so much more about this. This is really just a facade or the surface, scrapping the surface. And that's my daily experience. And, and it's not that nice, actually, that, that still, you know, we have a, a number of generations where this um, old way of thinking is still so thoroughly ingrained in, in how they work, how they interact with each other, that is really hindering the process at the moment or not helping it, I would say. So, so I still see uh, you know, a lot of cases where, where people just don't treat each other as they should at the workplace and not because of you know, being mean or, or, or um, a generally bad person, but that's how they grew up, right? So we need to change. Yeah, it's a generational it, stereotypes or generational issues that, that exist. But that, that, that you could say applies not just to the diversity issue, it applies to the issue with regards to modernization. You know, everything. everything. There, are, there are a lot of people from the highest levels down that have ingrained in their minds that this is the way of working. And there is a new way of working. I think uh, in my own experience, you know, even in my, I, I can recollect thing, times where I have made decisions based on how I have behaved or how my business has behaved in the past. And the future of work is changing so significantly, you know, uh, working from home, working remotely, uh, working with technology, bringing younger people into the business, bringing people from a background that perhaps you'd never thought of before to bring yeah. into the business. Uh, all of those things can only make for a better business. Uh, Definitely. So I think it's important that you know, it's important that we all need to consider that. But let's go back to, again, this, this is funny how this goes round. We go back to the beginning of the conversation, which is the perception of supply chain. So how are we going to attract diverse people, you know, people that are experts at data, people that are di from different industries, you know, millennials, uh, women, people from completely random places. How are we going to attract them to the industry if supply chain is considered a back office function, maybe even a sort of the perception. Let's be honest, warehousey, you know. Oh yes, still moving boxes. Still moving boxes. <laughs> of course, no. But you know, I still have hope because I see, you know, the young ones coming into supply chain, and by all means, and I'm super honest with you, I'm blown away 
by the enthusiasm, by the motivation, you know, the new things they come up with. And I always make sure that, you know, it's, I'm making super clear to them that I appreciate what they are doing and they have contributed to the success of our team instead of just, you know, hearing the negative voices from the background from those who are in supply chain 20 plus years and i know this better you know because i'm there for 20 years i still have that mentality but but as a as a leader and and i do speak of director level and above we are the ones we are the gatekeepers and we have a lot of responsibility and no one can no one can say they don't have it we have a huge responsibility in watching ourselves making sure that we learn day by day and we embrace you know all of these maybe hair raising different alternatives from from young ones or different background people it's just we need to teach ourselves and and make sure that we will lead the way and 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 lead by example i i know it's a old-fashioned term but i cannot emphasize enough that as a leader we lead by example that's the nature of humanity. That's how we grow up. Kids learn what the, the you know, the alterns or, or the, the parents are doing. Exactly. So, so it's the same at the workplace. I, I know it's, um, it may be because I'm a woman, uh, that, that's, that's how I think, but I do believe, and, and, and this is my experience during the last 20 years, that if I lead by example, and people see the benefit of it and the value, they will follow suit and they will actually see how much more they can contribute to the company value. So this actually works. For me, it's really important that I will make the right decisions and I watch myself as a leader, right? That um, for instance, um, again, I can give you a really good example. I was uh, hiring uh, new people into our team. I did force myself to ensure that I'm not putting on this half blind spectacles and I'm not only looking for the standards that we are looking for, but also take a look at, you know, those unique um, contributions and, and unique skills that they might have in that CV. And then to, to sec I didn't want to second guess or assume things, right? So, so we also need to put aside this assuming mindset that the biases, the biases that we might have exactly that bias needs to go away we need to be the ones who lead by example and put away this, this bias and and take a look at, at the world with a fresh eye every single day because it is nice and it brings a lot of nice and new things that we probably don't even see so so what advice would you give supply chain directors today that are faced with crisis, faced with uncertainty, uh, what advice would you give to them? I think it's very simple. Just trust your knowledge and expertise, and at the same time, be open to all of the new solutions and all of the new things that you can experience within and outside of supply chain. And also don't forget to collaborate because that's also the bread and butter. So if someone really is an accomplished and, and you know, an expertise uh, uh, holding supply chain professional, then they need to trust their own expertise. They need to trust it enough to make the right and, and fast decisions, right? So any decision is better than no decision in a situation like this or even any supply chain situation as such. 
but also be open to new things and collaborate. So I would say these, these three key things, if someone lives by this, then, and they reflect on what they are doing every day, at the end of the day, I would also give that to, to people that self-reflection and reflecting on what we are doing and if it's really the best thing that we could have done during the day, then it really helps to, to improve ourselves and how we are leading other people and how we, how we improve how we work in supply chain. I, I took away from our conversation the following points. I feel, uh, based on the conversation that we've just been having, you stated that, and I agree with all of this, that we must work to improve the perception of supply chain, number one, uh, not just as a cost center, but as a real contributor to the business success. Uh, number two, we must focus on the basics, the basics, the basics, and the basics. Uh, make sure that those are in place, irrespective of how tedious they must be. We will manage crisis this way. We'll manage crisis, we'll manage transformation, we'll manage whatever we'll manage through the exactly. basics. Collaboration, number, number three, that we must collaborate internally, externally. Uh, number four, diversity. Uh, make sure that we look at diverse opinions. And again, number five, which is the same as number one, the image and perception of supply chain. We must work towards that. Absolutely, absolutely. We are on the same page, Maria. And uh, hopefully many, many more supply chain professionals will be on the same page very soon. And then uh, that will really make a change in itself, I believe. Well, I will leave you with the, those thoughts that you have been fantastic. Thank you so much, Sophia, for uh, joining us and for reminding us of the uh, what we need to do to uh, to manage through crisis. I think you're absolutely right. This has been a wake-up call for supply chain. Fortunately, as supply chain professionals, we work through crisis quite well. Uh, <laughs> we're used to it. So, so thank you very much. And uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll see you again very soon. Thank you very much, Maria, for the opportunity and for a good uh, talk. It's really, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And everyone else, we'll see you at the next episode of FinTV. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.